Welcome to Jigsaw 24 EdTech Podcast, where we dive deep into the world of classroom technology. This series of episodes aims to give our listeners an exclusive look at how cutting-edge innovations in the classroom are revolutionising the world that we live in today. Today, we have a special treat for our listeners. Hailing from RGS Worcester, The Grange, a place where digital innovation isn't just a buzzword, but it's a way of life. We have Apple Distinguished Educator, Matt Warren. As the Head of Computing and Digital Learning, Matt, along with his team, have been instrumental in transforming the institution into an Apple Distinguished School. His relentless pursuit of excellence and collaboration with fellow Apple Distinguished Educators has crafted a learning experience that's nothing short of revolutionary. But it's not just all about tech and tools. At the heart of Matt's philosophy is character development. His leadership program is not just producing tech-savvy students, but well-rounded individuals to take on the world's challenges. And as a special treat, early in the episode, we'll have two of his outstanding digital leaders. These young innovators have had a whirlwind of a year representing the school at national conferences and events, gaining experience that most can only dream of. So grab your headphones, settle in, and get ready to a deep dive into the world of digital learning, character development, and a vision of what your future classroom could look like. That's all I'm James, I enjoy sports and I like cricket and football. Hi, I'm Daisy, um, I like reading um, English. Okay. We want to sit here and dig into your role as a digital leader and I have no idea what that means and neither does Nathan. Do you want to tell us what your role is? What does digital leaders do to you? Um, well, a digital leader, we need to be good with tech and have a passion for it. And um, into like helping people with it. So like someone had a problem, we can help them. And also find new ways of putting tech into education. Yeah, that's all pretty much. What kind of problems do you like to solve? Um, we like solving say if you had if you had like problem with your ipad uh we can help fix it so if it's uh, not working or the wi-fi isn't working we can help fix it almost that extra set of hands-on in in the lesson just to yeah help that teacher yeah because obviously they're delivering the lesson the really fun lesson that you've got on there might be one or two who are maybe struggling with some technical aspects that can really help help with. Yeah, yeah. If there's a problem with the board, we can look at the projector. Wow, very technical then. I wasn't even thinking about that, but yeah, including the board as well. So you have the teachers and the children? Yeah, there's some times. Tell us what uh, kind of problems you solve in the classroom then for kind of uh, for the teachers or the children. So with the teachers, in one of our lessons, to save them time, they've just given us a challenge so that we have to make our classes uh, moving instead of the teachers doing it. Uh, and which also really helps with making sure the children are really involved with it. Yeah, and so it comes from the kids rather than the teachers. Yeah, and also if the board isn't working, like Daisy said, we can help fix it. Or if the, the teacher can't screenplay, we'll pull it on for them say like the our board was overheating because of the temperatures and so we can we can turn it off for a bit cool it down maybe shut some windows and then it could um it could start working again too okay so t- tell me how you actually became a digital leader in, in the first place and what actually was so attractive towards you know why did what made you want to apply for it so I wanted to apply because I love technology and I like helping uh, people with it. Uh, and to apply, we had to do a two-minute video that was based on why we would be good at it. So I said in it that because I like helping people with technology. And then once, if we got past the video stage, we had to do an interview. Uh, Mr. Warren and Mr. Morgan. Wow, there's, there's more than one stage of this process. This is a hard Very intense. So there's quite a lot of kids in it, like over 30, because it's a really popular job to get in year six. So, um, but 12 children were picked from it. And yeah, we were just, we got a letter 
saying we've been accepted to leader. So we're just really pleased to get it. Brilliant. Was, was that letter given to you at school or through the post? Uh, at school. At school. Brilliant. Did you, did you make your video through iMovie? Uh, lips. Yeah, I used lips too. And what did, why do you think your videos were got you through? Uh, I think I, mine got me through because I talked a lot about how I could help people rather than about what I was good with. And I also, in the interview, I think I got through because of my eye contact more than what I actually said. So, so your, your ability to work with other people, like really skillful anyway, but it was more the, the ability to support other people and help in the rest of the classroom. I think our computing skills also help with the video because we can put effects in, make sure we say the right things. I got to see some of the digital leaders at the BET conference this year and they were speaking to head teachers, trust directors, and they were so confident in the way that they spoke and they delivered a tutorial on, I think it was Sphero Indies, and so much detail that I couldn't believe actually how confident they were and, and they're really not the socks off all these people. So really impressed, but I want to know what opportunities that you've had, other opportunities that you may have had as part of that leadership role. Well, we do lots of we do lots of activities related to computing. We also spoke to some university students, gave a lecture on how we use iPads in education. But I think the best opportunity we'd have is definitely Backship, which is just such an amazing experience going there and seeing all the different stores and tech companies and talking for them. It's just amazing. Did you go for the? T did you go this year as well then? Uh, yeah. Yes. Brilliant. So t tell us tell us what you saw there and what what impressed you most. Well, there were things like interactive floorboards, so you stand on them or use controllers to learn, such as like times tables with like. Um, pretend like um, digital basketballs under hoops and the things such as um, special cases which protect the iPads and camera covers, all sorts. Yeah, well, there were two stores that I liked. There was one which was like not in production yet, but though it was a robot that was actually teaching people in there uh, and it was on the, I can't remember, stand. Uh, but there was also a ChatGPT stand, which we looked at too. What do you know about ChatGPT? Uh, that ChatGPT is AI. AI, and that you can ask it pretty much anything and it will come back with an answer that is suited for your question. Have you had a go at using it yet? Yeah. We one of the things I did in our computing lessons with Mr. Bourne. And what did you do? We asked it to write a story about pink frogs, trees and <laughs> unicorns. It wrote us. We tell a story about pink trolls. Did you like the story it wrote? Yes. Because I asked it to write a few stories, and I always find that it's just a little bit um, weird. The yeah. stories aren't as sort of uh, aren't great for sort of an audience. They're yeah, just a bit so quirky. Yeah. And then yeah. too descriptive. Too descriptive. I've had to actually say, please uh, tone down the creativity in this story. Yeah. I guess it gives people a the opportunity to then put their own touch on it once they've got yeah, that initial yeah. blueprint of, of what the story looks like and then be able to mould and shape it in whichever way they wish to choose. I've got a question. At bet, if you were in charge, what would you have taken home with? What would you have come back to school with from the bet show? The goggles. Yeah. So good. They were just amazing. Like They enhance your learning by seeing, say, if you're doing history in Stone Age, you can see what the caves looks like and the animals and the hunting. It's just really, it, it really enhances the learning. I want to come back to something that you said just uh, two or three minutes ago. It was about the le giving lectures to university students. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? So what we try and do is to give them all an opportunity um, to present. It's these soft skills. They were chosen for this role. Not just because they're good at tech, but because they're passionate and they wanted to further develop those skills. So every every one of the digital leaders will have a chance to do something pretty big that will push them way beyond their boundaries. So you actually presented it back, didn't you, Daisy? Uh, so me and um, Mr. Morgan, another digital leader, presented for an iPad reseller. And so 
they obviously presented for you and I think they might have presented for someone else as well. So they had quite a few opportunities there. So Daisy's role was to, to present on a fairly major stage in the bets, uh, in the bet show. Um, and James, what have you done this year? This year, uh, I've presented in the assembly at the start of the year. And I've also presented in the Jigsaw 24 at the bets. Fantastic, yes. Yeah. Did you, did you enjoy presenting? Yes. You did? To give you a bit of an idea as to what you maybe want to do in the future. We can. Yeah. What do you want to do in the future? Uh, be a cricketer. <laughs> but it's interesting because in all most walks of life now, that even cricket, there's, yeah. a, there's a technology element there, isn't yeah. there? And you sometimes see it when you watch... Football. Yeah, with football as well, with the media coverage, and they do this analysis of um, bowling technique. Exactly. It's just that technology is in every area of our lives now, isn't it? Yeah. Where if, you, if you're really passionate about it, even if you come from a sporting background, there's there, those opportunities available to you, yeah. aren't there? Fantastic. I want to go back and how do you think you impact the students that you work with as you're part of your role? So because some of the people struggle with it, uh, we usually go and help them so that they can learn it. So we've just been doing SWIFT uh, and we've been helping people actually learn how to use it. And especially the young years, we work a lot with them. So James and some of digital leaders um, run a code club for the F3s. And so that's things like Scratch and just helping them enhance their computing lessons. And me and some of the other digital leaders run from the year twos. So they don't have, they don't use their iPads as much because they're still in the younger years. So we, they do have computing lessons, but we kind of um, show them new apps such as like Sketches School, Scratch Junior, Indies, which they really enjoy doing. But they love it. What's your favorite apps? Um, well, I don't play very many games. So education wise, it would be uh, show me because it helps if you need to look up something or look at the lesson uh, you can look at a powerpoint or a uh, or an explanation for how it actually works so it's all hosted in one place it just makes it so much easier doesn't it yeah my favorite is probably clips or iMovie because they just give you such great opportunities to make awesome videos and it's quite simple as well they provide you with what you need and you just put it together how you want. So, so this passion for, for using the technology, is this something that happens after? Yeah, well, I've done some stuff on Keynote and keep, kept on continuing with it. Uh, so I've made quite a couple of good PowerPoints on it. So um, there are quite a lot of code clubs after school and so we made apps on Keynote. And so I went home and I made an app because I just loved it so much. That's brilliant. So coming back onto the digital leader role that you've got, does it require a huge time commitment with that as well? Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's not like 24-7, but we meet weekly on a Tuesday lunchtime. Who did you meet with? Um, we meet with the other digital leaders, Mr. Warren and Mr. Morgan. And we discuss upcoming events or we plan our clubs. And yeah. And then if there's other events like the bat show or the lectures, um, we will that will also take time. But it's just so much fun that you don't notice. Do you plan these together? Yeah. Um, well, so Mr. Warren and Mr. Morgan plan them, the bat shows and the opportunities. But we do the clubs and... You get a voice in those meetings yeah. as well. I would get to put some input into yeah. what that looks like when you actually get to deliver on the day. Fantastic. Well, what clubs are you running this term? Uh, so I'm running a code club and video making club. So we're teaching people how to make proper photos and how to use Scratch and Safira. Is it Scratch the app or Scratch online? Uh, we, I think we do it online. Yeah, online. And we're running the year two code club. So uh, the year's nearly coming to an end, so we're going to hand out certificates say well done for coming and doing your best. That sounds really exciting. I, I love your passion for 
exactly what you're doing in terms of the digital leaders and enthusiasm you have for your lessons as well. But I'm interested to see what this year, this academic year, what is the thing that you are most proud of? Uh, getting picked for the cricket team and becoming a digital leader. I think picked for house captain and digital leader. What does a house captain do? So you have four houses and there's a boy and a girl captain for each term. And so you have to give a speech in front of your house. And then the people's in your house vote for their favourite um, boy and girl house captain. Fantastic. What, what was your most exciting lesson this year? Uh, uh, my favourite lesson was probably a CNIT lesson when we learnt about track GPT and we did a quiz on it after. Fantastic. Thank you so much, guys. Pleasure. Thank you very much for sharing exactly what you've done this year. And yeah, thank you very much for coming on. Yeah, thank you. so lovely to talk to you. You have such, uh, I love how you um, share what you're doing. You're so very passionate about what you do at what your roles up here. So thank you for your time. Okay. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks. Bye. Right, thank you very much, team. Well done. Yeah, well done, you guys. Hope you find it. Good. Is that okay? You're fabulous guys. Yeah, yeah, so amazing good. work. Right, well done team. Top work in these. So there's that continuation of learning. So the, the experience that they've had, they're going to continue that. Yeah, I think the grammar school is a four school approach. Um, digital leaders are run across RGS The Grange here, where you are now, RGS Springfield, RGS Dodderhill, uh, and then straight into the RGS Worcester, the senior school. So it's called Digital Genius uh, when they hit RGS Worcester. And that should just be a seamless transition. Um, they do have to apply again, um, but I think it's that expressing an interest, showing that passion. Um, we, yeah, we had just the two schools at BET this year uh, when we joined you, but then last year we had all four schools. Um, so it just clashed this year, unfortunately, but we, when those opportunities unfold to come and do some work, yeah. you guys and, and give the kids that opportunity to share their passion. What I loved about um, James and Daisy was that when we talked to them about their application and their role was that they understood that they did really well on their application. James was really explicit in saying, it's my eye contact. You know, I was really looking, using eye contact in my, uh, my interview and that I wasn't just doing a video about how good I am. I was sharing about how I can help other people. I find that fascinating that at that age, he was really aware of those skills. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't because I think when we, when we use tech and we've integrated tech, we're probably eight years on this journey. It's not just the tech isn't going to just do something for you. You've got to be able to have the, the, the rounded skills to be able to use it as a tool. Um, and in that instance, it was making a video that had to engage an audience that had to sort of demonstrate his skills. The interview, I've, I've historically done that because I think it gives them a chance to do something they probably won't have a chance to do until they're about 18. Yeah. To sit down at a table, to formally greet somebody, to make eye contact and to sell themselves. What are they good at? What are they passionate about? Get that across to somebody by communicating. Yeah. And I think that's really important. Whether they're successful or not, it's part of a process. Um, and we'd always, those applicants who, applicants, <laughs> we're using quite a you know, professional term here, but we're trying, to, we're trying to give them everything is about real life, links with the real world. You know, why are we doing this? Why am I putting them through a little bit of pressure here? Because they're getting out of their comfort zone. And I think when we can get children at the age of nine and 10 to do that, they can build on those experiences. And making eye contact is so, so important. Yeah. You know, they can all present, but can they actually present well? What see the impact on others. It's not about yeah. just themselves. And both of those things that James was talking about was about himself impacting someone else. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how they can use tech to facilitate, you know, a goal. Uh, and how the, the, the importance, you know, the, the eye contact, the communication skills, they're not going away. They're, they're, they're so, so important. Yeah. And so building that into the process is vital. You know, it's just make a video and just tell me how great you are. That's great, but actually... When I want these children communicating, they don't just work with each other, they actually help the teachers. So we went through a process where they actually went, as a school, sort of the culture of the school is developing staff skills. So in terms of Apple Teach, we're 100% now. Um, and we also trained up this, the, the digital leaders to be Apple teachers. 
So we went through a cultural change then of the students becoming Apple teachers, training the teachers who weren't Apple teachers to become Apple teachers. So that mindset, that cultural change now of students teaching teachers eight no. years ago, oh. that would have been very difficult to do because the yeah. culture of the school wouldn't have been at a point where it was ready for that. You know, it might have... When was that flip switch? Yeah, it, was, it probably took a few years when we kind of launched. Uh, we're probably about eight years into the digital rollout of the DLP, the digital learning program. So I think it, it, we, we had the passion from teachers. It was then getting 100% buy-in. And then it was about really saying, well, why? You know, why are we doing this? It's not just because we're just, just going to throw some money at tech and expect it to, to actually solve problems. It's because we feel when it's used in the correct way, it can do things that, that we can't do without it. It's going to improve engagement. It's going to improve learning opportunities, collaborative skills. I mean, you only have to look at COVID-19 to really justify what we were doing at the time, where we were, and the culture of the school being able to sort of accept that from the next day you're going to be at home, but you're still teachers. You're still professionals doing an outstanding job. The tech will now help that to continue. So, for example, one, one, we didn't lose a day of learning in COVID-19. I think over about 22,000 lessons were taught online. Because... It's incredible, isn't it? And when you look back where it's, where it started and really start to accelerate, and just what you said about creating that whole holistic person in terms of, yeah, they've got those tech skills, but actually they've got those well-rounded people skills as well, and the sort of combination of the two just helps build that, that character and... And those events that you've put in place, like the interviews for those digital leaders, just helps them build that, those experiences at such a young age as well. I don't think they'll forget them. I really don't. You know, I look at myself as an individual, as a human, and it, it took me, you know, I went into teaching quite young, didn't really have the worldly experience. I certainly didn't have any of these opportunities. Um, first opportunity to present was in um, a beautiful parents' hall at the, at the senior school. Uh, in front of about 90 head teachers to launch the, the we launched a regional training centre here. And I was absolutely terrified. I hadn't had any experience of doing anything like that. Um, and I, I took a few students to actually present with me. Uh, and they actually helped me, I'm going to be honest. So it, it's about looking at yourself as not just a teacher, student, but actually a learner. We're all developing skills. Um, and if I can give them the opportunities at this age, they won't have that growing up with that stigma that this is going to be really difficult, that they've already come out of that comfort zone and had experience that they can draw from. And I think that's so, so important. I think what you said there about that ethos of almost getting them to learn with you is almost reflected in what the model that you've set up here in terms of what you've just said about students teaching the teachers, working collaboratively together to almost bring everyone along on the same journey, which is I mean, super powerful and and what you said there about that, that early experience for yourself, you can just see that in the vision that you've, you've put in place here, which is, which is great to see. Could I go back just to the Apple teacher side again? Yeah. Fascinated by the students, the, the actual logistics of getting them to do it. How did yeah. you get them through that? And did they have to sign up uh, and have, go in as a teacher and sign up as a teacher? Uh, yes, we. Th th there are some slight barriers. We yeah. didn't feel that was enough to to, to hold them back, or, yeah. or or worth being cele you know, to, to be celebrated. Um, so on on sign up, we had to say that they were teachers. We we're very aware of that that situation and had a really good chat with the with the pupils. Um, the fact that they, we were using this as a learning tool, you know, as a as a mark of their skills, and I think it's a fantastic program. You know, and I think there should be a student option on there because it's a really lovely way. Um, I love the way you asked the pupils what's their favourite app. And they struggled a little bit there because actually our workflow is, is, is quite tight. We try and use the apps that make a difference. In the early days, we would have used loads of different apps. Um, but I suppose the, when you can start to refine and get to a point where this is now just a tool, this iPad, um, teachers are now giving them opportunities to present their work in different ways. You can show a coded project. Um, we showed one in assembly today about the circulatory system um, and how a student used Scratch to actually describe that and to explain it. But when we can give them the simple tools of make a movie, 
um, do an audio recording. What we don't want to do is the tech get in, in the way. We don't want them to be spending two, two hours learning how to use an app to be able to produce or to show their learning. So therefore, I suppose the apps integrated into an iPad are there just purely for creativity. Yes, there's other apps, but... I guess that sort of ties into their leadership role as well because there'll always be that cycle of new continuous apps that are pushed to the forefront and there'll always be that journey in sort of almost culture across the school where we've got to almost understand what it brings to the table and those digital leaders are really great tool to utilise and get everybody along that same journey of understanding those new apps that are coming through. What I like about it though is I think it's really important to embed those core apps into the program for the teachers for the students because everyone within your community has such a solid understanding and it becomes just part and parcel of everything that they do because they just know it they're an expert in those really really core apps and they are the creative apps because they're just home good they're so rich definitely yeah yeah and i think there's two points that you know the digital leaders are now going around the better show actually helping us looking at different tools, looking at different uh, different equipment, hardware, let's say. And they're, they're, they're pretty good. They'll often come back and say, actually, there wasn't anything that we haven't already got. You know, there's not anything that there was better. But, but I what, found that really fascinating well, when I said to them, what would you have bought back with any money? And they really, they really didn't, had to take some time to think. Yeah, they really struggled, actually. Um, and so did I this year. Because we went around that I, I think it's now progressed from a point of getting excited about apps and hardware to now looking more at classroom environment, classroom layout, how we're facilitating collaboration, you know, spaces in the school. We're just talking about this space as we came in, your classroom here, and it looks completely different to many of the schools that we get to go to on a regular basis. And it's really quite forward thinking when we talk about adults and the way that we no longer have a row of desks and we've got those breakout spaces to sort of accommodate everybody in the workplace and everybody's own particular style of learning but what you made you set up this room how how you have i think it was basically knowing that when we're working on either the max or ipad ipad allows us to do something different to to, to utilize the whole space um we've got a huge space in the center of this room so soft seating and furnishings allow collaborative spaces for pupils not just to work with a teacher but to work with each other and to be comfortable to have space to record and to 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 produce work in a different way um ipad and mac can be used together we often get them to actually record their work on the imac screen with an ipad straight into shobi i'm at home i've got access to every every child's piece of work you know and as a teacher that couldn't be more powerful in terms of knowing exactly where every one of my learners are um Two screens in this room for the, for the reason that sometimes we'll we'll work around this screen around a table, um, and I'll leave it, and the pupils will continue projecting their work using sort of Air Server, um, or the other screen as well. There's just another breakout space, so developing those soft skills of not just understanding content, but being able to coach each other as well, not doing it for another student, but actually to demo, to ask the right questions, and the space allows that to sort of happen and. It goes back to sort of those presentation skills. It's another skill in their armory as a learner. You know, you never know everything. They might know it, but can they actually now discuss it? Can they can they teach that? Because that's sort of the top sort of percentile of, of hierarchy of understanding, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. They can teach the content back in a way that other people will understand. You know that they've hit that sort of mastery level. I'm really, um, I love that mastery level of, right, you're really looking at getting students to... Um, create content in order to show their understanding but also to teach to others and having those spaces where students like you have in here you've got spaces where they can work independently they can work in groups you can move the chairs you can move the table you know you've got lots of different spaces going on and you have them being able to collaboratively work work together demonstrate teach um, and then go off and explore independently which I find fascinating looking upon the horizon and seeing what jobs these young people are going to have in the future. Why is this computing curriculum, why does it need to be really quite engaging and, and exciting? I think at this age, at primary school level, I think we've got to hook kids in. We've got to, we've got to show them that yeah, there's so much fun and creativity when you, when you can harness the simple skills, you know, the basic digital skills. I mean, every job in the future is going to require a high level of digital skills. 
So my sort of remit of pupils leaving us at year six is that they are all really comfortable with using tech at the right time, you know, knowing that difference. So my, my role here is obviously teaching the computing and digital learning, but I'm also a forest school leader and I'm also out on the sports field on a Wednesday. And the kids know that. And they know that actually it's for them growing up with technology that I didn't have when I was a child. It's now just immersive. It can eat you alive. You can't escape it. But it's, it's trying to develop the skills in them to, to know when to use it. When I always refer to that poster on the wall, um, it's not about the, uh, the actual the tech or the kit you've got. It's about when and where you choose to use it that will make you a Jedi. You know, I refer to that all the time and have done for the last eight years. It's slightly faded because the sun has sort of hit it. But I really want the kids to understand, just like our teachers at the school, that tech can enhance what you're doing, but it could also get in the way. It can be a barrier. And so working with teachers and pupils on the same merit, you know, it's, it's understanding when to use it, how you use it. You mess around for three hours trying to sort of learn and learn an app that, that can't do anything different from something else, then we've probably made a, made a, a bad decision there. Um, and then the start of the start of the journey, it was about teaching people how to use it, but we've now come beyond that. And it's about how it sort of facilitates the opportunities. And I guess almost that collaborative approach that you've got at this school where you are able to have let children, I mean, the sort of the children said this themselves, that yeah, they would have a discussion and see which apps is appropriate and they want to go a different direction with it. Okay, this is what I want to do. And there's that dialogue between the two of them that helps offer that. So what are your hopes and goals for the students at this school? I think I've hit one of them, that they finish the year in year six and they know the distinct time and place that tech can, can, can improve their lives and what they're trying to achieve. Um, I also want them to be rounded individuals, not to just rely on tech. It's not going to solve all of our life's problems, even with AI around at the moment. They're saying from a coding point of view, it'll probably be up to about 80% efficient. There's still quite a bit of uh, error within, you know, we talk about replacing jobs, but there's still going to be needed a highly, you know, skilled team of team of people working with AI and harnessing it. So it's about our pupils having the creativity, the vision, you know, the ability to work together, to collaborate uh, for sort of shared visions and shared goals, really. Well, we spoke about this with the stories, didn't we, that one of the children mentioned about a unicorn and several of the things that they put into the AI engine to, to generate a story. But then again, they, they want, needed to put almost their personal touch on that as well, because if they didn't do that, then I guess that gives them a blueprint for their ideas, but they need to put their own spin on that, put their own sort of stamp on, on, on their learning with that. You are a connected educator. You have been recognized at the Global EdTech Awards this year. Clap, clap, clap. Right. And also, um, prolific, you are on Twitter, you're out there, you're connecting, you're teach me, you're sharing, you're bringing, creating communities, bringing people together. How did you get there? What was that first little flicker of inspiration that really kind of inspired you to do more? I love that. You've got your coaching hat on and you're, you're digging deep now. <laughs> yeah. um, I, think two, I think there's two points to this, probably 2009. I started using Twitter. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. Um, I think at the moment I started sort of connecting with some, some, I say key people, people at the time who were doing some great things. You start watching how they use social media. Again, it's like everything. If it's used in a really, really well-driven way, it's going to have results. If it's not, it's a bit of a waste of time. So I started following people who I know had traction and who were doing some good things. Um, and then I started just connecting with people and that, that takes time. You can't rush it. You can't buy followers because that's not what you're after. I think you've got, to, you've got to avoid echo chambers. You've got to be prepared to follow people who don't have the same view as you. Um, and you've got to put yourself out there and you've got to share things. And you've got, you've got to expect positivity, but also criticism as well and pointers. Um, and I suppose, so Twitter sort of started 2009. 2013, computing curriculum came out. And these two kind of sparked that that imagination. A huge gap in the skills in the skills market for, for teachers leading computing. Um, I loved that computer curriculum that came out in 2013. 
and crazy, but it was summer holidays and no one was kind of ready for it yeah. or had a clue what to do. Yeah. Um, and I launched a code club, got in contact with a guy from industry, uh, Bob Billsland. Um, so he came in and we, 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 so it's a guy who did this for a living, me as a teacher, I could kind of write the risk assessments. He could kind of really drive the content. And between us, we had a good bit of fun in the first few years. We had kids soldering um, Arduino boards. Um, yeah, there was just just chaos and just learning so much. But it was about connecting with other people because I worked in a, quite a small village primary school on my own. And so it's, it's how do you do that? How do you know what's beyond the four walls of your classroom? And social media is a good vehicle for that. Uh, we started sort of quad blogging and Julie Skinner did like 100 word challenge. So it all sort of started to unravel of trying to connect people, like-minded educators who were like me. I've never heard of walls. quad blogging before. Quad blogging was pretty pretty huge um, back in the time. So we, we launched something called like the Malvern Bloggers and I linked up with three or four schools. Yeah. Julie Skinner did the 100 word challenge. So again, it had this real literacy focus, write a story in 100 words. We launched a website. Pupils put their work on there every week, and then the schools took it in turns to uh, to be the chosen school for the other three schools to give them feedback. So I think from the early days, I was very much about getting connected, not just for me, but actually the pupils. Yeah. Again, it's that real life. Why are we doing this? Well, you're doing this now because there's three other schools that are going to be you know, critiquing your work, and you're going to get some really, really rich feedback from I that. love that whole authentic audience side of it, which is what we're really missing in so much of education that we have, is that that collaboration um, and the audience are very, very low, low level. Yeah. And elevating that so it's real world, so it's actually authentic, is really vital. I love that as we came in through the room, we've got a, a big picture of the earth on the wall when on there you've got I think some of the people well probably best for you to tell me who's on there yeah so it's Apple's thing was educator so I applied um you know and you go for these things and you don't think you what are you doing different from anyone else but you again, don't know what you don't know do you and so you don't know what anyone you've got to push yourself out there because actually you don't realize you're all doing amazing things in your own spaces everyone will have their own particular area that they are doing outstanding things in yeah. And I I think one of the great things, we mentioned it when we first came into the room in terms of that hands-on experience, that we see a Mac here and the whole screen is away and they can actually see what the inside of a computer looks like. And I was just saying, when when I was at school, I never got that experience of almost seeing the insides of a computer, understanding what sections related to the computer and what did what. You tell us what, what you do in terms of the learning with that. The tech museum. Uh, well, I think that sparks conversation anytime anyone comes in this room. This might be parents, this might be teachers, this might be pupils. They're just drawn to it. Why? Because it's hands-on, because it's kinesthetic. You can pick it up. We've got Apple Watches in there. We've got old Pentax cameras, you know, Walkmans, floppy disks. There's everything. People can talk it up. It strikes a conversation. You know, m- mostly they've all got the same sort of physical components. Without realising it, you're talking about computing hardware, aren't you? Um, and so, so I think it's just a natural way. I'm very aware. I, I'm I'm a real sort of kinesthetic and visual learner. So if I can make experiences like robotics, computing hardware, if I can make them really sort of stick in the memory, it's going to last, isn't it? You don't forget those 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 really key lessons, do you? I think that's um, where the connection for you comes with Forest School. I've been trying to work that out. Are you an yeah. early years background? No, not at all. Oh. No. Um, I think it's just, I love being outdoors. Okay. I need to be outdoors, you know, and, and, and being a computing teacher, I think a lot of people are quite shocked by that. But I think it's really helpful for the pupils who do really love their tech to understand that we've got to hit a balance. You know, we've got to know when is the appropriate time to use tech and when is it you close the iPad lid or the computer lid and you just go outside and you enjoy nature and you, you, you don't get, you don't lose track of that. And I think that's so, so important. Working very hard in the school on an outdoor learning push. We're doing really well with the sort of the tech side of things, but we don't want schools to think that that's all we do. That is just one part of the jigsaw. That is one, one small element of what we do. So recently, so we spoke about this earlier, about what the journey looks like in terms of this classroom experience and almost it feels like anyway that 
the foot is on the accelerator big time with this and the next five years in terms of what these students are doing will, will drastically change. But I'm interested to hear what you think sort of future is going to look like in let's say five years time, especially with some of these new products that are being pushed out. I think it's impossible to tell you. I think as a, as a, as a family of four schools, we are looking very closely at AI, VR uh, and AR. I think we've got to. Um, our, our strategy suggests that where we are, we're in a good place, but you cannot take your foot off the, off the pedal. We've got to be looking forward. We're going to have the pupils looking at what, what's, what's coming out. An example from the Bet Show, but we've got to be trialing out products and seeing what they can do that we can't at the moment. Um, we certainly don't want to be a, you know, Luddites in this area. We want to be sort of pushing forward and, and, and taking some risks. You know, what, what comes out, you've got to be, you've got to evaluate, haven't you? It, it's, it's different from what we've got. Um, but the one thing that's not going away is this is going to accelerate beyond our, our, our understanding. You know, the last 10 years or anything to go by, the next five years are going to be really exciting, a little bit scary, but it all comes back to educating the, the children. You know, one thing we've got in year five is they're, they're, they're using AI at the moment. They're learning to make their own bots on uh, code.org. They know what machine learning is. They know how chat GPT works. I don't know how many adults out there could explain it, but the more data sets that you actually give it, you know, it's all about data, um, then the better the results are going to be. And so we demo that and we take it apart and we show them how it works. We show them what bad AI looks like what really good effective AI looks like. You know, what they don't realize is AI that's around them. And so it's about them, you know, understanding what they're using, how it works, how it can benefit, how it can negatively affect them as well. So the rounded picture of, of, of tech, you know, in education. To the map, so we didn't finish the story. I want you to squeeze it in. So we're talking about ADE. I'm interested yeah. in fact that from 2009 was the beginning of your journey. It took you so long to apply for ADE, 10 years. Yeah, I think we're, we're all as educators trying to find our feet. Yeah. We probably feel that we're, we're inadequate compared to people who are doing some great things out there. We all do. True. But I think it's very wrong then, isn't it, for, for, for me to I've been running Digital Leaders ever since I probably came into education, knowing that when you're facilitating yeah, a rollout or even implementing one iPad in the classroom, get the pupils on board and get them to understand what you're using. Um, so I suppose it came to a point where I was doing a little bit more with socials and understanding how it works and making some good, you know, PLN, personal learning network. Uh, and this was kind of probably the next step. I was sort of presenting for the regional training center. I was delivering courses. Um, I was doing a lot of things that I felt would, would, would justify me now individually getting something in return, getting something back, having those sort of next steps really to further develop. Um, so applied, spoke to a lot of people, got a lot of feedback. Um, and I actually applied to be a showcase presenter on the first one in Amsterdam. So again, putting yourself out there, I think my heart rate was about over 200 before I went on the stage. Oh. Have a clock so it's well. a clock, it's a three minute counter. Yeah. Uh, there's lights out, lights suddenly illuminate the stage. Yeah. Huge three minute time. As well, and it's the worst thing they've ever done. It's the best thing I've ever done, oh. but the most nerve wracking thing I've ever done in my life. Um, and you're five translators, so, so your script has to be sharp and you've got to be pretty much on the three minutes. It means you through it though, in the, through the process, don't yeah, you? Yeah, it was some oh, great ADEs. It's a, uh, that's what it is though. It's a, it's a whole community of great practice. There's some people out there doing some great things. Once you go down that route, they become friends. They're people you can pick up the phone to. You know, they're people you can connect with and say, I don't think I quite got this right. What are you doing with this? And I think that's, that's what we all need. We need to get outside of our classrooms, get outside our schools, build personal learning networks yeah. and learn from each other. You know, stop being so sort of competitive against each other. There's things I can do well, but there's things I can't do well. And so I rely on people around me who can do it better than I can and learn from them. What's blowing your mind at the moment? Or who's well, blowing your mind at the moment? Well, individual educators. Yeah. I mean, I say, say my close little network, actually. We've got Jacob Wilcox always doing some great stuff. Rachel Whitaker is doing some really, really lovely stuff with Workflow. 
Jacob's good with his movie making. He's good at sort of connecting. They've just been out um, in America. Yeah, they went to, oh, yeah. Which looked a great little project. Pumpkin pen pal. That's it. Yeah. I'm, I'm not surprised though. He knows what he's doing. He wants to give his pupils opportunities. You know, and he's using his skills and, and what he's learned to, to get them there and give them skills he probably didn't have as a kid. So it all comes back to that. Yeah. Um, I love yeah. that idea of almost being sort of really proactive and teachers who are perhaps new, new into the profession, they can almost sort of look, at what, look online, seek up practice and almost like reach out to these people. and Don't be afraid to ask those questions. 100%. Yeah, I think that's so, so important. Um, especially for like university pupils. You know, we are, are, there's a whole reason we put that together, really, for our digital years to go and talk to second year undergrad um, students at Worcester Uni and to tell them they're about to go into the teaching profession. Our 10-year-olds telling them why it's so important they upskill themselves. So powerful. It's mind-blowing. It's hairs on the back of your neck when you see a 10-year-old present to, to, to pupils who are talking to their tutor. Um, got a little bit nervous about presenting to five of their peers. And so that, that tells me that we've got it slightly wrong in education. You know, that we're not giving these pupils the experience from, from, from a younger age. They're not going away, are they? These skills. And a lot of uh, teachers are coming out of training with the, with the skills that are just not ready to hit the classroom. Yeah. And, you know. The schools aren't ready for them because the culture of the school isn't that of being questioned or trying something or it might fail. That's enough to turn people off tech, isn't it? And so I think it's this mindset and it's this... This for, for school leaders out there, you know, this, this, this challenge of promoting this positive culture, you know, and that cannot be rushed. We cannot just chuck tech into school and expect it to stick. It's not, it's not necessarily going to make benefits. If anything, it might actually negatively affect learning. It's more about the people, isn't it? The connections and then definitely. the choices. But for progress, not perfection. Yeah, definitely. I think when you aim for perfection, that there's always never, inevitably going to be that lull whereas unless we can't continue to look to progress our practice i think it's probably a more positive way of perhaps looking at it yeah my yeah. favorite expression is i say this to myself every day better done than perfect because otherwise you get stuck mm. in that like you'd never share anything would you no, if no. you didn't if you had perfect to fake video yeah. making sure everything's really perfect, polished yeah. yeah yeah shove it out there whereas it's actually it's doing that several times that makes you do deliver that really well rather Definitely. than essentially make it really polished first time because you're setting yourself up to fail if I think if that's the way that you approach it. I think one of the one of the biggest things we've we we've done um when we started this rollout was we said, right, okay, we're gonna have some digital champions. There's always people who are gonna sort of take take this by the reins. We don't want to hold them back. We want to let them go. Um but we do want them to be reflective about their practice. And so every staff meeting, uh we would just give ten minutes and we'd just go around the room. And I'd um, organic, you know, I'd go and prep people. The voices you don't often hear in the staff room, and say, I want you to share something tonight about how you've used the iPad in learning. It might be a fail, it might be a success. I don't care. I want you to just share something. Yeah. So start by getting more voices in the staff room, um, rather than the same person talking every week. And I think that's so 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 important. Um, and as I said sharing those failures, sharing those times when it didn't work because there's someone else in the room who could help you with that. And so learning from each other constantly as we go on this journey is so, so important. It's just not losing touch, is it, this human element to, to, to tech, not getting carried away with that. We've all got problems that we need to solve and I find that really interesting. I'm designing a workshop at the moment for um, SEND teachers um, and leaders and one of the, the main parts of it is to keep visiting come up with a problem. What's your current problem you're trying to solve? And how can we collectively support each other in solving those problems by the end of today? You know, or work towards the next steps. Yeah, I think that's really powerful. Yeah, just learning together and bringing, whether it's children in the classroom or it's a staff body, just get everybody swimming in the same direction towards sharing that journey and being part of it. If you've got RE teacher, you have certain things that you've explored on your own and you want to, again, showcase to other people and staff. If you're a PE teacher, you've done something that's probably a bit more specific towards PE, but just getting excited about sharing what future looks like for your subject. I, th I think, like you said, just gets everybody just changing what that education fear and atmosphere looks like so that we're entering a place where the children are coming in every day and, and stuff alike 
are so excited about what that day looks like in terms of teaching. The teachers learning from pupils as well, pupils offering ideas about where they could take their learning, which I think is I insane. Really, I think that's my biggest takeaway from your the conversation with you today, actually, is that how can we get students working with teachers to pull them on that journey more effectively without teachers? What I find that yeah. we have a lot of is that teachers still need to feel they need to be the expert in the room. Um, and giving the baton to the students and saying, actually, you are the expert in the room. I'm going to focus on this little bit here, but please help me with this. You know, I find that absolutely mind-blowing. Love it. Yeah. Thank you. That doesn't just have, you know, that, that, that uh, you have to know, you have to read the room, you have to know your staff well. Yeah, you've got to be ready for it. It's those personal skills, isn't it, of knowing when and where that can potentially work. Yeah, and then training them up. So not only are they fixing things in the moment and they have the skills to actually, I mean, we've all fixed stuff. We were all digital leaders here and, you know, you're in assembly and the screen goes down and who do they call? Right, let's go and fix, I think, the screen. The um, screens, for me, are the worst thing to try and fix in front of an audience because it doesn't matter how many buttons you press, it's something that's going to go wrong, especially if it's overheating. Um so having the kids to be able to react quickly, confidently, and to fix little problems or quirks that come up in front of it, you know, when teachers are teaching, but also to get them to become Apple teachers and then teach teachers <laughs> to be Apple teachers. This for me is proof a game changer. Yeah, I'm just reflecting on it as well because you should be really proud of yourself. It's fantastic. It's a journey. It's a journey, and it you know it does take time, and you've got to you've got to just know when and where to sort of implement the right yeah. the right things. But it all comes back to empowering pupils. You know, every school has potential digital leaders in there. It's free to set up. You just need a member of staff who's got a bit of energy um, and wants to give them the reins, you know, wants to allow them to sort of push the boundaries. Um, you don't know where it's going to take you. And I think that's fascinating about the whole process. Yeah, removing roadblocks. Every year it's, it's, it's been different outcomes. And, it, you know, it's fascinating. That's why I love doing it. Matt, thank you very much for that. Yeah. Very insightful looking to what a fabulous setup you've got here. So, yeah, thank you very much. That's really kind. Thank you for inviting me on the, uh, on the show. Thank you so much, Matt. Oh, it's just lovely. I love that conversation. Thank you for joining us on the Jigsaw 24 EdTech podcast, where today Matt Warren and his team of digital leaders from RGS in Worcester highlighted the transformative power of student leadership. Listening to insights firsthand revealed the profound ways in which technology not only enhances learning, but also fosters student-led initiatives. So how can our schools cultivate spaces where students aren't just passive recipients of technology, but pioneers in their own right? For those of you who are so inspired to dive deeper into the Digital Leaders Programme at RGS Worcester, please do check out Matt on Twitter or X at Matt Warren. We are so grateful to have had this conversation with Matt and his incredibly dynamic student team. And thank you, our listeners, for coming along too. You can also connect with Jigsaw24 by following us on our social channels, which you can find in the links to the show notes or by visiting jigsaw24.com forward slash education. Please also remember to give this episode a thumbs up and subscribe. Until next time, stay curious. <laughs>